Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. So today... uh... We're going to be looking at kind of two major themes that pop up in our passage here in Genesis. Um, This is one of those sermons where my preaching professor in seminary would be getting on to me because he's saying, Wayne, you got two sermons here, not one. You only need to preach one because people only remember one. When you try to do two, then they get lost. And I think you guys are just better than that. So I think you can handle it. So, um, but yeah, we got two themes we're looking at today in our passage as we We continue to look at Abraham in Genesis, Um, but we're going to be looking at the themes of hospitality, then also prayer. Um, And we're going to be looking at these as we we go through Genesis 18. Uh, But before we get there, let's let's look at a little bit of what the New Testament tells us about hospitality. So 1 Peter uh, 4.9 says this, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That makes it pretty clear that we're supposed to do that. Okay, uh, and then Romans twelve thirteen says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So again, Paul is emphasizing to the Christians in their early church, hey, this is an important thing. We need to be able, we need to be showing hospitality. Um, Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says it this way, let brotherly love continue. Do not gl- neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Um, and so it's pretty clear uh, throughout the Bible, the New Testament, that like, yes, this is an important thing. Um, hospitality is something that's important. And as I have been in different cultures at different times, I have found that this is a thing that some cultures do really, really easily. Right? It's just hospitality is just ingrained in their culture. It just comes naturally. Um, to to the people, um, for instance, you know, uh, whenever I've been like uh, on mission trips and that kind of thing, I see like people are just ready to. They, they have no clue who I am. They're like, "Come on into my house. I want to have you over. I want to have you at our house. We want to feed you. Come, come, come!" Right? Um, and but yet in our Western society culture, we live in. For some reason, I, I think we find this a little harder um, to actually practice hospitality um, for whatever reason. Um, And so today I want to give us a four-step guide on how to be hospitable um, as we follow Abraham's example as we see in Genesis 18. So four steps on how to be hospitable, all right? Um, Just making it simple, okay? So let's start with Genesis 18, starting in verse 1. And the Lord appeared to him uh, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O oh Lord, I have, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. So first thing we can learn from Abraham here. Now, yes, okay, let's, let's not ignore the fact that, yes, this is the Lord that he's interacting with, okay? Um, but 
his, the principles that we see here, I think, can apply to us in relating to others as well. So if the Lord ever walks down the street and you see him, this is a great model to follow. Um, but also if it's just your neighbor that lives next door that you see, um, maybe this is also a great model to follow. But the first thing that we see Abraham doing is he humbles himself. He humbles himself. He bows down. He says, I, if, if you find me even worthy in the least, please come. Please, please stop here. Please stay, stay here for a moment with me, right? When it comes to us and being hospitable to others, then we need to also realize that with this comes an aspect of we've got to humble ourselves. We can't be, approach it as, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if that person is good enough to be in my presence, Right? <laughs> No, to be hospitable means that you are honored that this person would be willing to come and spend time with you. And that's a place of humility. That's a place of of humbleness. And that's a good thing, right? And when you're in that place and that person is willing to come and hang out with you, you feel honored. You feel special. You're like, wow, this is such an honor for us to be able to host you, for us to be able to, to have you here. So step one. Humble yourself. Going on, he says this, Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And so step two, invite them to an opportunity for rest and relaxation. But first, all right, here's the first key to being hospitable, an invitation. This is where it all starts. So you don't know where to get started? Start with this. Hey, would you like to come over? (laughs) Say those words and see where it goes from there, all right? All right, so so if this is a hurdle for you, um, that's the first step. Just just throw it out there, say, hey, yes, let's do something. Um, but also what you're inviting them to isn't to come do your list of chores, right? Abraham didn't say, hey, you know, we're, we got to shear all the sheep today. So you guys want to come, come help out with that? Cause we could use some more hands. Um, you know, he, he doesn't say we, well, we got this long list of stuff. Even when he's inviting them in, what is, what does he say? He says, I'm going to get water brought for you so you can just rest and relax and they're going to, where you can clean yourselves up. And what we're about to see in just a minute is he's going, to, he's going to run off to prepare the meal for them. This is a guy with plenty of servants around everything, but he, he himself personally, he's out there getting the calf and, and killing the calf for, for their meal uh, and having his wife make uh, the new best bread. Um, and so, so if you don't know where to start, start with asking, but also ask to come into something that people would want to come into, okay? So this isn't an opportunity to like, hey, I need to get my chore list done, come help me. But this is, hey, I value you and I want to build you up. I want to, I want to do something special for you. What goes on in verse six? And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. 
Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And they said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? Oh, before we get to the part, let's just stop there. Okay. So Abraham goes and he's like, it's food time. And he doesn't say, hey, what do we got left over? Like, right. He's not saying like, hey, we got three day old pizza in here. That good for you guys? Like, whatever. No, he goes and he goes for the best. And he says, hey, Sarah, three cakes of fine, the best bread you can make. And I'm going to go kill the young calf. Anyone that's familiar with livestock and how that turns into meat, young calf equals really good eating. Also means it's a lot more valuable because there's less of it. But he goes and he does this, he prepares this meal and he puts his best out there for him, for the Lord. Now this has, yes, let's, let's, let's apply this to us learning to be hospitable. So yes, feed them, feed them well. Um, this, is, this is kind of a go-to anytime you want to have somebody over. If you feed them, they will come. Um, that, that was one thing I learned in, in youth ministry. And I didn't even have to feed them well. You just throw junk out there and they're like, oh. but, uh, um, but yeah, so yeah, feed them and feed them well. So as you have people over, invite them over. So, and, and with this, uh, they're going into it and they're doing it willingly. They're just of their own heart saying, here's our best for you. And this applies to us as we approach others, but this also applies with us with our relationship with God. Is when it comes to your relationship with God, do you give him your best or do you give him what's left over? Because we should strive for giving him our best. God, here's, here's the first, the foremost, the best. I, I want to give this to you with my life in whatever area it is. But let's give him our best. Let's give him to him first. And this applies also to when it comes to hospitality. Step four is talk with them. Okay, talk with them. So let's see that here. Uh, Genesis 18, verse, starting verse 9. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a wife. She, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. She will not have a wife. She will have a son. Um, and Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. (laughs) And so this is the step four when it comes to our guide for being hospitable is talk with them. Have a conversation. Okay, so these are our four steps if you need to work on being hospitable. One, humble yourself. Two, invite them in. Three, feed them. Four, talk to them. Okay, now each of us with our own personalities and giftedness will find different of these four things to be the challenging one. 
right? So some of you, when I got to the feed them well part, you're like, I'm out. Like, you know, I mean, some of us like Piro um, are really, really needs like, I don't know what she does. Just like throw something up in the kitchen. And it comes out amazing. I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, so some of us are naturally gifted that way. Others of us are like, I mean, craft dinner, like that's, that, that's where we go to at our house. It's like, great. You know, if that's where you go to, great. Um, my kids, that is the best meal for them. They, they absolutely love craft dinner. Um, so yeah, whatever your gifting is, you're going you're gonna to find different parts of this harder than other parts, right? Um, for some of us, it's the talk to them part, right? Like I can, I can make a, a meal and I can have people over, but then I just sit there like an awkward knot on the log and I, I don't know what to say. Um, so if that's your challenge, here's, here's a few tips for you. One, beforehand prepare. Go on the internet and search icebreaker conversations, all right? <laughs> Go for it, man. Like if, if this is your struggle, deal with it, right? Tip number two, if you're just starting out with this, Hang out after church longer than is comfortable for you and see who is still here talking. Invite those people. They will carry the conversation, okay? They will, they will teach you. They will train you. They will help you in how to be hospitable, all right? So pick the last people here. Invite them over. That part will be taken care of, okay? So uh, some of us, it's the humble yourself part. I don't know if I have time for this. I don't, I don't know if I care enough, right? So that's a, an issue of your heart. Check that part and see where you need to change. So that's the first part of our sermon for today. Four steps and your guide to hospitality, all right? So I hope that is helpful to you. But now we're going to jump in to the second half of our message. It really starts where I think it was... Uh, um, Warren throwing an amen out there earlier. Um, and if you get nothing else from this message, get this verse, okay? This is by far more important than anything else I have to say today. After there's, there's this whole interchange with Sarah and her laughing, it says this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So as we shift to start th- thinking about our prayer life and our, our relationship with the Lord, that question, that it's almost a rhetorical question, of it, it should drive us. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah's here and she, you know, she's past childbearing steps in the body, okay? Like those, those steps do not happen in her anymore. And she's being told, hey, you're going to have a kid by next year, and she, and she laughs. And the, and the Lord's response is, is anything too hard for me? You think I can't do that? I can speak the whole universe into existence. You don't think I can handle this? You don't think I can do this? And whatever it is in our lives, if we're honest, there's probably that one thing that we might be thinking like, I don't know if I can even pray for that because it's, it's too big. That won't happen. And the challenge is, is where our heart is at and what our faith is in. Because when our heart and our faith is in the right place, then we know this to be true, that there's nothing that's too big for the Lord. He can handle it, whatever it is. 
And it's interesting when you think about it, when you look at this, because Sarah, she kind of gets rebuked here for laughing, right? She kind of gets called out. And, uh, and it's really kind of a negative way, like, what are, you, what are you doing? You don't think I can handle this? But if we look at the last chapter, what we looked at last week in Genesis 17, 17, Abraham laughed when he was told the same thing. But he wasn't rebuked. So what's the difference? The difference is their heart behind the laughter. Abraham's laughter came from a place of, I believe this, this is amazing, this is the best news ever, I'm so happy. And Sarah's laughter comes from a place of, yeah, right. (laughs) You see the difference? And so when it comes to our relationship with the Lord and when we're, we're dialoguing with him about things, is our heart and our, our minds in a place of faith that we believe, yes, there is nothing that is too hard for the Lord. Because that's where Abraham was coming from when he was given this promise. He's like, that's awesome. This is great news. When Sarah hears this, she's like, what? And so as we, we approach our prayer life and as we, t- we talk about this issue of prayer, Let's start it with the fact of it all matters where our faith is and what our belief is in the one who we're praying to. Because our conversations with God all boil down to faith. Our conversations with God all boil down to faith. Um, I know when we talk about prayer, and uh, especially, um, you know, it. I know some of you in our church are in a little more what I'll call a reform side of things, and uh, some are, are, are less so, and we have some of those great conversations in our men's group, and um, I personally lean a little more towards the reform side of things, and if you have no clue what that means, um, what I mean is, is this, like, if, if we really believe that God is fully sovereign and fully in control, then that means he's got everything in his hand. He's, he's, he's working all things out according to his plan, according to his will, right? So that's what I, what I mean by that. And it, it's easy to fall into a heresy and fall into a false thing in that view of saying, well, if God's got it all planned, he's got it all figured out, then why pray? Why ask him if he's already got the, the results planned out? Why talk to him about this thing if he's, he's already got it working out however he's got it working out. Like, I just can trust him, and then I don't have to talk about it. But the problem with falling into that view is it doesn't line up with Scripture. And that's something we're really going to see in this passage today, uh, where God actually, in a conversation with Abraham, basically changes plans. And he adjusts his plans according to what Abraham asked of him. Um, And Scripture's clear on this and the new testament is clear on this you know uh, the prayers of a righteous man accomplish much Um, all through scripture it's very clear that our prayers have an effect so if you're you're in this camp you're in this kind of reform kind of view of really looking heavily on the sovereignty of god let me propose this to you that the god who ordains the ends ordains the means what I mean by that is, yes, if you believe that God has, has a plan, that this is what's going to happen, part of that plan might also include you praying about that happening. And then that, that, those prayers having an effect that then affects what happens. All right? 
Don't think about it too much. Your brain will hurt, okay? Um, because that's how big God is and how limited we are. But let's be clear on this. If, if we ever get in a place with our theology that we think that we shouldn't pray, your theology is wrong. All right? You've gone to a bad place. But yes, we should pray. We should have these conversations with God. They all start with our faith. They start with our faith that comes from our hearts and what we believe about him. But we have to remember that question, is anything too big, too hard for the Lord? So the story goes on, verse 16. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. So here's another important part of our prayer life. Our prayer life should come from a place of walking with the Lord. What we're about to have, this conversation we're about to have in the rest of chapter 18, all results from the, pack, uh, from the fact that Abraham chose to go and walk with the Lord. He could have said, well, we did the hosting thing. I checked off hospitality. Whew, I'm tired. You know, killing that calf, cooking all that. Like, that was, that was a lot of work. I'm, I'm going to go check it out now. No, he says, you know what? This is my honor. This is my privilege. I'm going to go walk with the Lord as he goes on his way. And that's where our prayer life should come from. It should come from a place in our life of we're walking with the Lord. We're walking with him. We're talking with him. We're, we're in a place of fellowship with him. And yes, it's a little different. He's not, you know, right here in a physical body right beside us. But in another way, it's even better than what Abraham had because, because of the power of the Holy Spirit that we have because of what Jesus did. If you're a Christian who has the Holy Spirit, then you have the Lord there with you 24-7. And are you walking with him? Are you listening to him? Or are you letting him speak into your life? Because our prayer life should come from a place of walking with the Lord. What goes on in verse 17? And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command uh, his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. The Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And so first, our prayer life should include listening to the Lord. This, does, this conversation actually doesn't start with Abraham leading the conversation. It, it starts with the Lord saying, I'm, I'm going to share with you what I'm doing. This, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. Uh, the, these cities, their wickedness, their treachery has come before me. They've, it's come before my throne. And I'm going to check it out for myself. I'm going to, to investigate what's going on because I don't leave these things unchecked. I don't leave unrighteousness unchecked. And Abraham's in the position he's in where he's about to intercede for Sodom um, because he was there walking with the Lord and listening to the Lord. And so our prayer life should include listening to the Lord as well. Sometimes we just come to him, we're like, here's my checklist, I want to give you all this input, done, you do your thing, okay, bye. 
When in reality, we should take time with his word that he's given us, this living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, letting it speak into our lives, letting him speak into our lives through fellow believers. I don't know how many times in my life when I've been praying about something, God used one of his people to speak into my life to kind of answer that question I was praying about. That only happens when we're gathered as the body of believers, when we have each other in our lives, when we have that great resource, but also just being able to listen to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. That still small voice inside of you that can speak and guide you in the things that are of the Lord. So, Let's go on. Here's Abraham's response to hearing that there's an outcry against these cities and that God is going to judge them. Before we get to his response, so we remember who lives there now, Lot. And who was Lot? Lot was Abraham's nephew, which before Ishmael seems to have been the closest thing to a son that Abraham had. It kind of like Abraham kind of adopted him is the way it kind of looks in Scripture. And so, so this is, has to be on Abraham's mind. And so Abraham starts in with this. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? He said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again, he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. He said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and and I will speak. Suppose 30, or just 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And he answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose 10 are found there, he answered. For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way, and he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So we have this whole interchange where Abraham is talking with the Lord. And it starts with, well, if, if there's, you know, if there's just 50 righteous people, just 50, like, please don't destroy the whole place because those 50 are there, right? Like, why should they, they all be destroyed because of the other wicked people? But I think Abraham in his mind knew, like, that place is bad. No chance there's 50. And he keeps going down and down and down until he gets to 10. And the reality is, as we can see here in this, is that our prayers affect God's plan. Our prayers do, they affect God's plan. And we should take that into account. We should remember that. 
So if, you, if there's ever something that you feel like, oh, this is just hopeless, this is too much to even pray for, is anything too big for the Lord to handle? And our prayers affect his plan. And so maybe that applies to people you care about who are more like Sodom than they are like Jesus. And you want to see them have the hope that we have in Jesus. Because that is the good news of Jesus. Is the fact that really this whole conversation is mute. Because the New Testament clears up for us that there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the whole barter that Abraham's got going over how many righteous are in the city to really be righteous by God's standards, none of them make it. Nobody does, except for one, and that was Jesus. He's the only one who ever truly lived a righteous, perfect life. He's the only one who never sinned. And yet he paid the price for sin by being nailed to a cross. And we know that that payment for sin was received and accepted in full because he rose again three days later. And it's because of that we now can be righteous. We can trade in our filthy rags, our sin, our, our filthiness, our unrighteousness, our wickedness, our being like Sodom. We can give that to him. And he can take those things and he can nail them to that cross and say paid for, redeemed, marked clean. And in return, we get his righteous, righteousness in its place. So that when we stand before God, he doesn't look at Wayne and see Wayne's filthiness. We stand before God and he sees Christ's righteousness. And this is the only way we can truly be found righteous. And this is the biggest thing that our society needs. This is the biggest thing that our world needs. It's a crazy world we live in. A lot of crazy stuff is happening. From destructions with earthquakes, to spy balloons, to everything else. It's a crazy world. And the only hope in the midst of all of it that will really last, that's really permanent, that goes beyond this life, is Jesus. And that for the Christian, that's what helps us make sense of it all. But I want to ask you, what should we be asking the Lord in relation to that? What is there that, that maybe we should be asking that we think, oh, that's, that won't happen. That's too big. Maybe for you that's, that's personal. Maybe that for you that's, that's a loved one who doesn't have the hope of Jesus and you know where they are, you know where their heart is, and you're almost to the point of just saying, I give up, they're hopeless. Is anything too big for the Lord? Maybe it's looking at, at our community and, and seeing, you guys know we, we live in the fastest growing area of Canada. Fastest growing area of Canada. People are just coming in one after another. And I know some of you are like, please stop. <laughs> but it's the, it's the fact, it's the reality of where we live. And I see that as a great opportunity, as God is bringing people to our sphere of influence. 
He's bringing people who are in need of the gospel to our place so that we can be a light for him, so that we can share the gospel for him, so that we can share his love with them, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what prayers should we be praying as a church that we, we can say, nothing is too big for the Lord? And reaching our community and sharing the gospel with them. Because there's a lot of need. There's a lot of need in our community. Specifically, need for faith in Jesus. But maybe what's on your heart today hasn't, doesn't necessarily relate to that, but it just relates to there, there's this big thing in your life. Or this big thing on your mind that has your focus, has your attention. Is anything too big for the Lord? He can handle it. Come to him and talk to him about it. I don't think it's ever wrong for us to to talk with the Lord about whatever's on our heart, whatever that is. If you've got sin on your heart, you need to talk to him about it because you need to confess it. You need to get right over it. So don't worry about, well, whatever I'm dealing with or whatever's occupying my mind is something that I can't even talk to him about because you can. He's there, he's ready to listen. Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, how did he say to do it? Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so as as he taught us to pray, he's, he's showing us that, hey, God is not some distant being who doesn't care about you. No, God is your Father. He is there in a relationship for you, and he is ready and willing to have a conversation with you, and he wants to hear And he's a perfect father. So unlike me, who maybe sometimes I just get worn out and I'm like, kids, go away. He's not like that. He's a perfect heavenly father who is there for us and he's ready to listen and ready to respond. So I leave you with this. Is anything too big for the Lord? Let's pray. Lord, we know the answer to that, and the answer is obviously no. There's nothing that is too big for you. There's nothing that you cannot do. There's nothing that is out of your control. And Lord, we we lay our burdens at your feet. Lord, I pray for anyone who's come in here today with with heaviness, with a heavy thing that they're carrying, a worry, whatever it is, whatever the burden might be that's on their shoulders at this point. Lord, I pray for them that they're able to take that thing and give it to you and know that there's nothing that is too big for you because you are good. Your goodness abounds. And Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you answer our prayers. We thank you that that even in your sovereignty and your amazingness of who you are, you still value and take the input from us. And with that, Lord, we humbly also say, not our will, but your will be done. Because you are good and we trust you, Lord. Pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. 
Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.